0: So, absolutely beautiful gospel. Um, Prodigal Son, I think we know it well. Um, and, like, the Prodigal Son is one of those, like, if, if the Bible had, you know, like, a greatest hit, like, Spotify greatest hits or whatever, like, it would be, it would be way up there. Um, and so, it deserves Bible study, so we need to get our Bible study faces on right now. <laughs> we need to... <laughs> All the focused missionaries are like, yeah, I've been waiting for this day, finally. <laughs> Bible study during Mass. So, um... But before we can go there with uh, the prodigal son we need to go back to the first reading which Lauren beautifully read and here is the people of Israel who build a god they build that golden calf while Moses is up on the mountain there's something in the Israelites where they were like yeah I can't we don't want God to be really intimately in our lives so we're going to create a God that we can control that we can mold like I mean it's uh, you know it's an animal that is tame that we can like put in a cage, but then when we need the God, when we need when we need the tame animal, we bring the God back out again, and so we see this in in Exodus where it is so clear that the Israelites in a way fear God wrecking their lives, and how often have we felt that before, like that yeah, if I get too close to the Lord he 's going to wreck my life. I always think of Saint Matthew in the Gospel, Saint Matthew, who was the tax collector he He was living a great life. He had a lot of money. He liked math. He was, you know, doing a lot of numbers things. And then God comes in and wrecks his life. But doesn't wreck it in a bad way. Wrecks it and makes him fully alive. But how often do we see God coming into our life, being too close to us, and somehow our life is going to get wrecked? I was actually talking to a student a couple weeks ago, um, invited them to Core Coffee, which is our coffee shop, if you haven't been there. Best coffee on campus. And... Uh, invited them to come to the coffee shop and they're like, oh, that's the place in the Newman Center, right? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he or she was just like, you know what, I, I don't think I can go. It's like, no, just you can go to the coffee shop. You don't have to think about God or anything. Just go to the coffee shop, enjoy coffee. And this person was like, you know what, I, I, I am fine with my life right now. Like my life is great. I think I'm good. And they walked away. This idea that, yeah, if I get too close to the Lord, I am somehow going to get wrecked. And so that's what leads to um, the prodigal son story, which is so powerful. And just to to really kind of dive in in a little way, um, especially with the younger son. Here's the younger son who treats, treats the father like a tame animal. That, you know what, I'm going to take my father out of the cage and ask him for my inheritance. Which was actually a normal thing to do. Um, ask him for my inheritance he takes the inheritance he puts his father back in the cage like a tamed animal and goes and squanders it all and then when he is at his lowest he takes his father that tame animal brings him out of the cage and needs him again and so goes back to the estate goes back to his father and is in a really way in a very truthful way contrite and, and, and is sorry. And how often do we do that as well? That we, God is like a tame animal where we, we have fallen, we are at the lowest of our low, and we need to bring God back out again in order to feel loved, to feel forgiven, that we need his mercy. But then afterwards, what do we do? We kind of put him back in the cage. And so, here it is where the father sees him. And it's, it's really beautiful. Uh, just, it says, And he rose a rose and came to his father but when he was at a distance his father saw him and had compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him and that just that 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 verse 20 says so much about God and how he is not a tame animal at all here is the father who says who sees his son and runs to him you might know this but like when a father when any man um, in ancient Israel, when they would run, it was a sign of, like, shame. It was a sign men didn't do that. Because when you run, you have to, like, hike up your robe, and to show, like, your, your knees or your, your legs is, like, a very big sign of shame that a masculine man would not do that. Just like, I mean, so wearing shorts as a guy, like, in, in the ancient world would not have been good. And so here is the father willing to be vulnerable, willing to experience shame for his son. And it says he ran to him. That in the, when the moment, like in the moment when the son should be feeling shame, when the son is at his worst, in reality, the father is experiencing shame and vulnerability. I just want to say that again. When the son was supposed to feel the shame, when the son was supposed to be vulnerable, the father actually feels the shame and is vulnerable and is weak. Just want to say it one more time and just look at the crucifix. When we were supposed to be vulnerable and be weak and be filled with shame, the father experiences that vulnerability, that shame, that suffering for us. And the last thing in our little Bible study is right at the beginning of that verse twenty. It said the father, he arose and came to his father, and while he was yet at a distance, his father saw him. The father was looking for him. The father was always concerned about his son and always wanting to be intimately part of his son's life. There was this ancient thing in Israel called kazaza. Because Zaza was what would happen. It was a ritual. Because it was normal for a son to take inheritance with him from his father. And a lot of the times in ancient Israel, if the son took the inheritance, a lot of times it was squandered. Because young people are stupid. No offense. But there is this experience where it, it would happen a lot. And so the son would come back to his family and the whole family, the whole community would actually see the son coming or see the person who has squandered their inheritance coming. They would gather around them, put a clay pot on the ground and shatter it and say, this is how you are to us. You have, you have shamed us and now like, our relationship with you is broken and they cast you off. So that was Kazaza. So here is the son coming. People probably see him. And what is the father doing? He's already looking out for his son. He runs to him so that he prevents the gazaza from happening. That's how much the father loves him. That our God is not a tame animal that we just put in a cage. He is an interrupting good father. No matter what our relationship with our father is on this earth, we know that we can look to the father in heaven And he is not the great wrecker of plans. He is an interrupting father who wants to make us fully alive. In my own life, I have experienced this time and time again. When I make my own plans, like, I have my own plans. I have everything set and then God comes in and he wrecks them. And it's a good wrecking because I'm fully alive. If if my plans, if I actually lived out my plans and God didn't wreck them, I would be living like a zombie right now. And I would be not fully alive. And I would be so... Like, my life would be lame. But yet, God wrecks our plans in order to make us fully alive. So my invitation is to just reject any feeling that you have to put God, like a tame animal, in a cage. And invite him in to be that good, interrupting father that he wants to be. Um, and give him permission to wreck your life, to wreck your plans, to make you fully alive.